This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. Many countries around the world have a Bill of Rights, a set of rules that protect basic freedoms. In the US, the First Amendment protects rights to the freedom of speech, the press, and rights to religious beliefs and practices. However, not every country has these rights embedded in their constitution, and one of those countries is Australia. Right now in Australia, a debate is raging about the introduction of a new piece of legislation known as the Religious Discrimination Bill. This legislation is terribly flawed, and we should be fixing it. We reach out with nothing other than love, care and compassion and support for every child. And it then begs the question, why are you doing this if you are not putting in fair income protections? As it sounds on the surface, The bill is designed to prevent religious discrimination, but it's raised some significant concerns. So what's contained in this legislation, and why are many people worried about what could happen if it's introduced? Well, it's really, this bill is um, controversial because it has really two, it's useful to think about it as having two components. This is Professor Beth Gaze from the University of Melbourne's Law School. So the first component, which is completely unobjectionable and is welcomed by almost everybody, is to adopt in federal law provisions that say you can't be discriminated against on the basis of your religion in relation to things like education, employment and provision of goods and services. So pretty much uh, there's widespread agreement that people shouldn't be um, shouldn't experience that sort of religious discrimination. And in fact, it's already the law in every state except New South Wales and South Australia. So this is really federal law catching up with where the states are. The bit that's very controversial is some provisions that actually allow this law to prioritise people's religious claims over other people's non-discrimination rights. And so that's why there's um, so much concern about it. A lot of the debate around the Religious Discrimination Bill has focused on the treatment of students based on sexual orientation or gender, an issue that was highlighted in early February after City Point Christian College in Brisbane introduced a clause into their contract that stated the school would only enrol students on the basis that their gender corresponds to their biological sex. City Point received a huge amount of public backlash over this and they eventually removed the clause. But in the way the Religious Discrimination Bill was written, it would enable this sort of discrimination against both students and teachers. Um, There is another component that comes from a controversy a few years ago around a rugby player called Israel Folau. Being from Melbourne, I'm not very expert in rugby, but apparently he's an excellent player and has a very high profile in New South Wales. The career of one of Australia's most exciting rugby union players, Israel Folau, is all but over after he launched a tirade on social media against drunks, gays and adulterers. And so he's a, a member of a religious fundamentalist church and he put on Twitter that, you know, adulterers and and homosexuals are all going to hell. And there was a big um, kerfluffle around that. And his employer then terminated his multi-million dollar contract on the basis that he'd previously been warned and that there were behavioural expectations. The Religious Discrimination Bill would allow people or institutions to make a statement of belief, and it would prevent discrimination based on those statements. If you're making a statement of what you regard as a religious belief, then you can't have consequences from your employer in relation to that. 
Now, many people object strongly to that because those sorts of statements can be very derogatory of other people. And so the, the, the idea is, you know, look, what you say privately within your church is one thing, but what you say publicly using that type of platform is a completely different issue. And that should not be exempt from anti-discrimination and vilification laws. Um, and then there is also a third element to this, which is the one that, I, as a technical lawyer, I'm actually the most concerned about, um, and that is that there are provisions in this. So both that Israel Folau clause, the statement of belief clause, um, but also in relation to the religious schools, um, there are provisions that this law will override any inconsistent state or territory law. So if this law has wider exemptions for the treatment of um, sexual minorities in schools, for example, whether teachers or students, or for the statement of belief provision, then it will override all the state and territory laws. And some states have got much more progressive laws. So for example, Tasmania um, doesn't allow re religious schools any exemptions in relation to sexual orientation. And Victoria has just legislated in the last couple of months to, to narrow the exemption that's in its laws. So that would, the, the federal law would then come in and override um, those state provisions. The Religious Discrimination Bill seems to touch on some other areas of discrimination law. Would the existing legislation not already cover some of these aspects, such as discrimination in the workplace? Yeah, look, Australia has had anti-discrimination laws um, since the 1970s at state level. Uh, in fact, the first law in Australia was in 1975 was the Commonwealth Racial Discrimination Act, and they all apply to education and employment, um, and all every state has a law as well. Um, and they cover a wide range of protected attributes of, in, of people, but um, they all have exceptions in them. And so they, and the controversial areas are things like, how do we deal with religious schools? So to what extent should we allow religious schools to say, our doctrine doesn't approve of homosexuality, therefore we can exclude um, homosexual teachers, or we can exclude students who discover that they're, um, they're gay. And so the question is, how do we balance those religious, they're, they're um, often labelled as religious freedom in this debate. Um, I think there's an argument to be had about what actually is religious freedom and to what extent, um, it, you know, where it should extend. But it's reconciling that claim to religious rights with the rights of the sexual minorities not to be discriminated against on the basis of their sexuality. Labor was, uh, you know, throughout a lot of the process, quite quite critical, um, and you know the legislation was taken to, you know, sort of multiple committees, and in the end, you know, they've obviously decided to uh, to support um, the legislation. Um, now that they have supported it, uh, you know, do, do you think that that is sort of the green light to pass it through the Senate? Look, I I think it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen in the Senate because it does depend on the crossbenchers. Well, I think a large number of the crossbenchers have said they're not happy with it. Some, the the Pauline Hanson One Nation group, have said they want to pass it as you know as the government wants it. But a lot of the other crossbenchers have said no, we're not happy with it. We want to see at least the amendments that Labor wants in it. Um, and and the bottom line to this is. 
everybody is happy to pass the religious discrimination provisions. What they're not, not happy about is the statement of belief and those exceptions for sexual minorities in religious schools. So, look, I, it, I think we really just have to wait. I think there's a good chance that it, those amendments will get up and the government will just um, call it off. But we just really don't know. <laughs> Until it happens, we're not sure what's going to happen. Overnight, the Australian Parliament's House of Representatives approved the Religious Discrimination Bill. So what happens now? That's coming up after this short break. If you're enjoying this episode of The Defrag and you want to support the work that we're doing, head on over to our website, thedefrag.com and become a Defrag member. You can get an ad-free version of the podcast, a sticker pack, a regular newsletter and discounts to our merch. Plus, there's a number of other perks depending on your membership level. Becoming a member is really the best way to support the show. It empowers us to produce independent journalism and gives you the best of the podcast without all the noise. So head on over to our website, thedefrag.com and become a member today. The Australian Parliament's lower house, the House of Representatives, last night approved the Religious Discrimination Bill after an all-night session. Good morning. We begin with breaking news. The Morrison government's controversial Religious Discrimination Bill has cleared its first major hurdle, passing through the House of Representatives. This was just under 20 hours of continuous sitting in the House of Representatives. So this means the government is a step closer to delivering its controversial uh, religious discrimination laws. The opposition managed to get five government party members to cross the floor to provide protection for transgender students. While the bill passed the lower house of parliament, it still needs to be approved by the Senate before it can be introduced into law. This, however, could be an issue, as the government doesn't have many sitting days left for the Senate before the next election. ABC News is now reporting that the legislation has been shelved for the foreseeable future, so that it doesn't interfere with the election campaign. There's also some concern from the more conservative members of the coalition party that the bill has been watered down and actually reduces the religious freedoms that were intended through the legislation. But if the government is re-elected and the bill becomes law, what would take precedent if one of the religious discrimination laws contradicted one of the other existing pieces of legislation? Yeah, look, that's a great question. Again, it's a slightly technical legal question. So um, under the Australian Constitution, um, there's a provision section 109 that says that where there's a law of the Commonwealth and the law of the state conflict, um, then the law of the Commonwealth prevails and the law of the state's invalid to the extent of the inconsistency. Now, we've always had, in the, over the last 40 years, we've always had both Commonwealth and state legislation in this area. And the Commonwealth laws have always said there is no intention to override a state law that's uh, a similar effect to this law. So they've offered... They've operated concurrently, and if you have a discrimination complaint, you can make a choice. Do you go under the state law or do you go under the Commonwealth law? And so, in a way, companies and, and schools and so on have to comply with both laws. What's different about this bill is that it is the first time the Commonwealth has actually said, 
we want our law to override all of the state laws. So that's what they're saying in relation to the religious schools exceptions. Um, and so now they're saying we're not prepared to allow the state laws to operate. And I think that's, for me, as a discrimination lawyer, for me, that would be the start of a very slippery slope. And I think it's a terrible, I think in a way for me, it's one of the worst things. I know it's a technically legal point, but once you've opened that gate, um, then there's um, opportunities for the Commonwealth to override lots of other provisions in the anti-discrimination laws if they just don't like them. Do you, do you feel like the legislation is reflecting sort of public sentiment around what needs to happen? That's a that's a great question, Chris. And and look, I think the the evidence seems to me to be pretty clear that you know I, I saw a report of a survey yesterday that indicated that about seventy five percent of the population. <clears throat> does not agree with those religious exceptions. Um, and most people, I think, as as is clear from the same-sex same marriage, the marriage equality um, uh, plebiscite that we had, um, most people support the human rights of sexual minorities and think everybody should be treated with respect and should not experience discrimination merely because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. So I think it's no, there's no doubt that that's the minority public view. The problem, of course, is that you always can get a noisy minority and people are saying, you know, look, our religious rights are not being protected. I saw something this morning said, you know, Christians are more persecuted than, you know, um, trans people, which is not something that I that I would agree with, um, but I think there is a very loud lobby, um, and I think there is political concern by both of the two major parties, I guess, about you know who's going to get the support of that particular group of people in the next upcoming election. That seems to me to be the subtext of what's going on here. So we've got a human rights issue, but it's being overshadowed by electoral considerations. Would, would Australia be better off just having a Bill of Rights rather than having, you know, all of these different discrimination, um, pieces of dis discrimination legislation? Yeah. Look, again, an excellent question. And I think people's views really differ on this. Um, and in Australia, we don't have a Bill of Rights. In fact, the only human rights really where we've got legislative protection pretty much is discrimination law with a little bit of privacy law. So, it, but I think that reflects a judgment that actually discrimination is one of the major harms that arises in relation to um, breaches of human rights. The way I would tend to think of this, I, I do think we need stronger protection, but I'm not sure we need a constitutional Bill of Rights. And one of the things that I would say about it is once you have a Bill of Rights and it's uh, enforced by the judges, then you have given the Supreme Court or the High Court or whatever the top court is the power to determine what can and can't be done by a government. And I think in Australia, Australia has a sort of pragmatic background in terms of dealing with rights. And I think there is more of a feeling that, look, yes, these rights are important, but we're not really sure we actually want the court to be the final arbiter on it. And if we have a government that has the final say, then at least we can vote them out if we disagree with them. Whereas if we've got a court that has the final say, we can see what's happening in the US right now, there isn't anything much that can be done about it. So I think there is also, you know, so there is provision for um, a couple of the states have got legislative bills of rights. So Victoria, Australian Capital Territory, Queensland and Western Australia is now developing one. Um, and so there is attention being paid to rights. But the idea of um, having a constitutional bill of rights that will, A, I think, 
it would be impossible to get it through the Australian constitutional amendment process. But B, I think there are also some good reasons for having reservations about it. Also in the news today, eSports are set to be included as a pilot event alongside the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. The Commonwealth eSports Championships is technically independent of the Commonwealth Games main program and will have separate branding, medals and organisation. The event is a result of a strategic partnership between the Commonwealth Games Federation and the Global eSports Federation. WikiLeaks and digital artist PAC have partnered together to create an NFT collection called Censored. The key piece to the collection is an NFT clock that shows the number of days that Julian Assange has been imprisoned fighting his extradition to the US. The clock sold at auction for 16,593 Ether, or just over 53.8 million US dollars. The funds raised will go towards Assange's legal defence. And scientists at the Joint European Taurus near Oxford have smashed a nuclear fusion record. The team announced that they had generated the highest sustained energy from fusing two atoms together. It broke their previous record set in 1997. While still not viable on a large scale, if scientists can crack the key to nuclear fusion, it would provide the world with almost limitless clean energy. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. James Parkinson is one of our producers. For more coverage, check out our website, thedefrag.com, and stay up to date on social media. Just search for The Defrag. I'll speak with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.